Well, hello. Welcome to Curiosity Killed the Cat. I'm Sarah, your host, and today we are going to be talking babysitting in the 90s, where the heart is, and Miss Joan Kuzak. If you would like to tune in and listen to what we have to talk about today, please stay tuned. It's going to be a real doozy. curious topic of the week is babysitting. So this first babysitting adventure will take us back to, I want to say, 99, 2000. Um, I was at my house in Santee, California, me and my little sister. We were being babysat by our elder cousin, elder cousin, we were baby, babysat, babysat by our elder cousin, um, Becky. Yes, poor Becky. She got stuck with us more often than not. Uh, most summers consisted of her having to take, of, take care of our bitchy little asses, and she did it. So this particular Sunday would have been a football uh, Charger Sunday. The Chargers used to be here in San Diego. They were not always in Los Angeles. It's a big thing. I don't want to get into it. I never cared about football because my parents were so super duper crazy into it. So they're so into it that they had um, season tickets that they had, but they were bought through um, the the my mom's employer at the time. She worked for dental office. So the dentist owned the tickets and uh, they bought them from him every year. This is going to be very, very important. So they were at the Charger game. We were at home hanging out. Becky was babysitting us. I want to say I was about 12, 13 years old, about sixth grade. That sounds about right. And I went up the street to play with my neighbors, like I always do, riding around our bikes, up and down the street. You know, we were just super physical kids. We we didn't just like stay inside and play video games all day. We like, we did some pretty gnarly shit. And I would say for a girl, I did some pretty crazy shit too. So, lo and behold, um, some of the crazy shit, just this was a genius idea. We were like, hey, let's take this giant rock, like miniature boulder, and let's see if we can all lift it above our heads, like extended elbows, full on, like put this rock above our heads. Let's see if we can do it. So, the boys do it. And of course, I'm like, I want to do it. And I was like a miniature nugget even back then. And so they just looked at me like, you're fucking crazy. And I was like, I'm not crazy. You don't call a little person crazy because then it just makes a little person way crazier. So I said, give me the damn, give me the, give me the fucking rock. So I took the rock, lifted it up. I lifted it over my head, did it just fine. And then when I went to hand it over back to my friend, I would like to say that maybe it slipped through his hands and straight down onto my toe. Perhaps it fell out of my hands straight down onto my toe. But long story short, the miniature boulder fell onto my foot. Now, you wouldn't think like, okay, that's probably not that big of a deal. But it did start to swell pretty big and pretty fast. And when I showed my cousin, her eyes got really, really big. And they didn't do that very often unless something like really bad happened. So I could tell something was going on. And plus my foot, it just hurt super duper bad. And I had, you know, my toes look like little donuts. So it was like, okay, what are we going to do? It's like 1999. 
cell phones are just kind of sporadic. I know my parents don't have one. What is Becky going to do? Who's she going to call? She's like, you know, a teenager. You know, now she's stuck with these kids and now there's like a possible broken foot, broken toe. So she goes ahead and does like the one thing that you definitely always do when you're babysitting. You call grandma before you do anything. So in this next part, we will be getting into what happened after the fateful phone call to grandma. Lord help me with the second part of this story. So my cousin Becky goes ahead and calls my grandma that this would be my mom's mom. So she springs into action. She's a fierce, fierce lady. She's going to, you know, come up with a plan, get it done, figure things out. So um, I believe at some point she did drive all the way over to our house to, you know, check things out, make sure I wasn't like, you know, like my foot didn't need to be amputated or anything to that nature. And, uh, she decides that it would be a great idea to, well, let's notify my parents. So how do you do that if they are at a Sunday football game with no cell phone? So she calls the stadium, you know, whatever customer service, whoever happens to answer the phone, you know, I guess people still answered the phones back then. So she calls and uh, in an interesting game of literal telephone, they are able to look at my parents' seats by the dentist who technically owned the seats. So they're able to send somebody to where my parents are at. So they send some like, you know, I don't know, poor stadium attendant dude. He goes up to my mom and dad, um, starts shouting from like, you know, the aisle. They're however many people deep saying, Mr. and Mr. Johnson, your son broke his leg. And they were just like, what are you talking about? Like, first of all. No. First of all, our name's Thompson. Second of all, we'd have no son. Second of all, none of our daughters would be dumb enough to be doing something to cause them to break their leg. Long story short, they knew something was up. Their like parent sixth sense kicked in and they came home. Uh, everybody comes together. We all get loaded up into the car. We head off to the emergency room and get x-rays and checked out and all this stuff. Only to uh, find out that the, uh, you know, not my big toe, the one right next to it, like your index finger toe. Um, it, the bone was bruised, so it didn't break and nothing got, you know, obviously sprained because I don't think forensically that injury could kind of happen in that scenario so and anyways the giant rock boulder fell on my foot nothing broke nothing got bruised they gave me crutches I think as like a consolation prize as in like okay you guys went through all of these things so we're gonna at least give this to you so that is um that's story number one that's how uh how my parents were told that their son got his uh leg broken when it was just it was just me it was just their daughter um, who dropped a rock on her, on her toe. So that's one misadventure. And I know there are plenty more out there and I would love, 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 love to hear more of them. The cult movie of the week is Where the Heart Is. 
All right, now it's time to talk where the heart is. This is uh, this is quite the movie. Came out in April two thousand. What a time to be alive. Thirty-five uh, percent Rotten Tomatoes rating, which that's an A plus. In case you guys didn't know, um, and it was directed by. Oh, you know what? I didn't write down who it was directed by. I'm. I'm on top of this research, but I do know who it's starring because the talent in this movie is absolutely endless. I don't know how they were able to get all these people in one movie, let alone with a script that just, um, you guys, this, this script alone, I I was writing down just some of the the highlights of the movie and it, it honestly, it just doesn't even end. I mean, I've seen every Godfather 5,000 times. I've I've seen every episode of Game of Thrones. I've read all of the books. And I could I could really give you a couple just quick pinpoints to just tell you, like, what's going on in those stories. But when it comes to where the heart is, this movie is fucking impossible. There's so much. There are so many things going on in it. And I'm, I'm going to let you guys know some of them. I'm going to let you know as many as I, I possibly can. So... We have Natalie Portman as our main character. She is Novali Nation. And we have her friend, Ashley Judd, who pops up in the movie, who's fabulous. She names her children after snack foods, sort of like how people used to joke about Britney Spears, but I don't like that. Please don't, please don't joke about her. Um, anyways, who else? Oh, we have Stalker Channing, a.k.a. Rizzo from Greece. She comes up as kind of like a surrogate mother, grandmother to Natalie Portman and her little Walmart baby. And uh, we have Sally Field, who plays her biological mother, who's a total piece of work, but she's absolutely fabulous in this movie. And we have Joan Kuzak playing a uh, boozy, jaded Nashville music ma- uh, yeah, music manager. Um, and she is, uh, I would say this is one of my favorite roles of hers for sure. Aunt Debbie takes the, takes the cake, but this is a close, a close second probably. So apart from them, we have little baby Americus and that is the baby that Natalie Portman, uh, eventually has in the Walmart after she's abandoned by her deadbeat douche of a boyfriend and, uh, has to kind of start life over um sort of like she always has she's a really sad she's actually a really super sad tragic character and watching this with my sister and a couple of our friends um you know that's one thing that just really stands out that like I think that is why as cheesy as this movie is or if people want to say you know say that it's cheesy or it's not a very good movie or it's like lifetime status um I don't know there's just something that that got us all watching it got us all all the way through these um many events that happen and right now I am about to list them off so we begin with Novali Nation leaving uh I believe she's leaving her trailer park she had been through quite a few I believe foster homes her mom left her for like a baseball player or some shit when she was a kid and uh yeah she's just a poor little girl who had no no proper mom and now she's about to become a mom herself and she has a deadbeat douche of a boyfriend and they are getting ready to head off to California now um 
the, the car that they're driving to California is not uh, what you would call suitable from dry, for driving cross-country. There are literal holes in the floors of the car, and that plays into... That really plays into every single event that happens from the in this movie from this point on. The hole in the car floor is the chicken. It's the egg. It is, it is, it's the catalyst of the story. She takes a nap. She's tired. She's pregnant. Her little feet hurt, so she kicks off her little her little flip flop shoes or whatever the hell it is that she's wearing, and uh, there they go. They go out the hole. They go out the hole. The hole at the bottom of the car that the time is a flat circle hole at the bottom of the car. So there's actually, you know, there's lots of conspiracies that you could actually take from this movie. When you think about it, I'll be getting into one about Stalker Channing's character, Sister Husband. Um, yeah, lots going on here. So the shoes, the shoes fall through the hole in the car. They're gone. Okay, she wakes up and she's like, oh no, my shoes. And she's really sweet about it. She's just like, my shoes fell. And he's like, her boyfriend is so fucking mean and so douchey. He's just like, oh man, no, like you were snoring and now you lost your shoes. Like, that's just like you. And it's just like, whoa, who's walking around just losing shoes all the time? You know, like who says that to somebody? <laughs> losing shoes, Jesus Christ. This guy, he's a real piece of work and things only get uh, better and worse for him from here on out, actually. <clears throat> Moving on. To get to the next part of the story, we have them going to the Walmart, the big Walmart. This is going to be, you know what, the Wal- Walmart, I would say, is our second main character. I would say we got Natalie Portman as Novali Nation and we have Walmart starring as Walmart as itself. So they go to the Walmart. He pulls in the parking lot, tells her to go get her shoes, go get some cute shoes. So she goes, she goes, finds herself some cute little flip-flops. She checks out. She's being all sweet. She goes outside. Guess who's fucking gone? Deadbeat douche. He's just left her. He's like Curly Bill and Tombstone when like Wyatt Earp and all his brothers are getting ready to leave and they're all sad because like Morgan died and he's just like sitting there on the stoop and like why it's like I just want you to know it's over and Curly Bill looks at him and he's like well bye like this guy was just like bye like I'm going to California still or Nashville I don't even know where the, maybe he turned around I don't fucking know anyways the point is he left her I need to move on to the next thing that happens okay so she's all by herself she's so sad she goes to the cafe she's eating some food she's eating some crackers and um I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is when Stockard Channing comes in with the Buckeye tree. There's a Buckeye tree that she is given, and it's really important that we know that it's a Buckeye tree and that it's not some other, you know, that it's not some other fucking willy-nilly tree. It's just, it's important. That's another thing that's important to the storyline is our Buckeye tree. So she decides to... um kind of slip into a closet when everybody's closing out and cleaning up and tucking away for the night at the Walmart. Um, Once everybody's gone, she sneaks out. She kind of makes herself a little bed, keeps herself occupied. And uh, she continues to do this over the course of like, I think the next couple weeks. So she sent, she sets herself up with a little 
IOU to the Walmart book, which is just like another sweet little heavenly thing that she does. Um, you know, she does her little exercises and, uh, you know, she's just, she's just doing it. And I think the Buckeye tree, I don't know, is the Buckeye tree still around? Maybe it is the Buckeye tree. That could be bad omen. Oh, speaking of bad omens, the number five, those are bad. You guys really, really bad. She doesn't like them. She was, I think she was five when her mom left her. And then it's just like, everything's a five. Like if you take 25 and you know, you minus five and you add 20 and then you add another five and it's 25 that has fives in it so her logic like literally she takes fives out of like everything and my blonde brain can't even fathom like how she can make a five out of nothing she's just like oh my god I can't have this baby in aisle five so she goes into aisle six but it's just like it's just like a five plus a one is a six so it's like five still involved in it anyways whatever I don't even know I'm delirious at this point and we are literally like 15 15 goddamn minutes into this film so (laughs) she has she starts going into labor she's feeling the pain she's doing that like natalie portman like high-pitched scream that she does so well she does this in revenge of the sith which is like super great um because she gives birth in that movie too to twins um actually really important twins luke and leia i'm getting sidetracked anyways back to baby americas we're not here for luke and leia we're talking about baby americas okay she was told to give that baby a strong name and by god she freaking had that baby she got out of aisle five and the freaking this dude came jumping through the window like a freaking hooded justice and just like saves her saves the baby next thing we know fade to black she wakes up she's at the hospital there's flowers everywhere ashley judd's beautiful glowing tan face staring at her she's just like what's up pumpkin like time to wake up you're like famous and she's like what are you talking about I'm not famous like are they gonna arrest me because I lived at the Walmart and she's like oh my god girl no like they would never they're gonna use you as a pawn to fucking sell shit forever and they're gonna give you a job so anyways um she has her baby she finally gets to meet the baby ashley judd brings her in it's like super cute and she gets all these letters these nice things people send her in like money and then she gets this really nasty letter from people from midnight mississippi and they are awful you're gonna want to remember the jesus creepers from midnight mississippi they come into play it's so many things at the beginning that come into play i don't even know i don't even know how they wrote this i don't even know how any of this got written down from beginning to end it's really it's astounding that that this book and script ever got made fyi this was based off of a book so anyways i'm gonna say so anyways so many damn times i'm gonna just it's it's gonna be a problem but we'll get through it um so anyways she finds out that her uh mom aka blonde sally field with like the cleavage comes busting through it's just like coming back into town she's just like oh hey novalee sorry i've been gone since you were five your favorite number but like i'm back now to be grandma and help you out and she's like okay mom here's all the money and go 
you tell me what to do. And she's like, I'm going to go get us an apartment and some baby shit. And then I'm going to get on the first fucking Greyhound. And I'm going to leave your ass again. Because that's the kind of awful, evil, tragic lady that I am. So she does. She leaves Novali. She leaves the baby. She takes, I think it was like $500.55 that like came from all the donations. And so she's left abandoned again at the hospital and that's when uh uh stalker channing comes back into play aka sister husband is her name don't ask me why uh rizzo from greece she comes back in like the beautiful angel she is and it's just like i can't take care of this this tree and maybe you and the baby can stay with me and you can take care of the tree but you know what she's doing she's just being like a sweet fucking lady because she's just like super cool so she goes and she lives with uh sister husband and mr sprock and mr sprock that's probably my most favorite name and if i ever have a male cat i will name him mr sprock and if i have a female cat i think i'll name it sister husband just because it sounds cool anyways Back to it. God, you guys, this list is so long. Wow. Okay, I haven't even... Okay, back <clears throat> back to the deadbeat douche, okay? Don't think that he just, like, up and left this fucking story, okay? He's got, like, the A, B, C, D... He's got, like, the F plot in this fucking movie, okay? He's just lingering in the background and up to no fucking good at all. He gets in a, into some run-in with some jailbait girl, gets arrested by the cops for her being too young and, I don't know, just being an overall douche. And uh, while he's in jail, he writes this song called Where the Heart Is. And um, that's because one of the sweetest moments that uh, Novely, uh, you know, awarded him with was taking his hand, putting it on her baby belly and saying, can't you feel that bump, bump, bump? That's where the heart is. And he's just like, I'll act like he didn't feel it, but he did feel it. And then at the end of the movie, he told her that, oh my God, you know what? That actually is super fucking sad. He tells her at the end of the movie that he did feel it. You guys, oh man. Okay. Anyways, that's why this movie's good because there are, there's just, <sighs> anyways, He's in jail now, and he's writing songs. That's all that we need to know. We got Baby Americus. We got Ashley Judd's in the picture, okay? And she's her best friend, and Nova Lee. Uh, all right, so she moves on. Mom's gone. She cuts her hair. She gets a nice little haircut and um, <clears throat> starts going on a date. She's just, like, right back in the fucking game again. She's just, like, not skipping any beats. So she thinks she might be knocked up again. And Ashley Judd is just like, you need to do what this witch lady told me to do once. You need to jump backwards five times. And you need to go on your head and twirl around. And you need to drink ginger root juice and um, stare at the sun for five days straight. And that'll get rid of um, your pregnancy that you might think that you're having but lo and behold she doesn't need to do any of that she does it anyways and uh she's at the library and forney oh okay back to forney so the librarian dude that she okay so she goes into labor at the walmart okay and a guy comes through the fucking glass and like helps deliver the baby and like saves her but what i forgot to mention is when she was still pregnant she walked into the library that he operates and owns and by works at whatever lives at 
Um, because she comes in with a buckeye tree and she needs to know how to take care of it because this nice lady gave it to her and she doesn't want the tree to die and she knows that it's a buckeye tree and that's their like uh what do you call it a meet cute that's where they meet for the first time and he's just like this bookish wormish kind of guy and like they're kind of just like you would think are like sort of opposite but like they just get along really well so he saves her baby so anyways back to Back to Novalee. So she is back at the library. You know, she's like all stressed out. She thinks she might be pregnant. She's like, oh my God, no more guys, Forney. I'm not into any more of those tight jean, white t-shirt dudes. And Forney's like, yes, girl, like I'm the opposite. Like you talk about me. And then she um, starts her period in the bathroom. And she gets really excited when I was a kid um, before I started my period. It was probably like right before I started my period. Um, I, sorry, TMI to anybody, uh, who was just like, wow, left turn here. I didn't understand why she was so excited when she was in the bathroom. Like she thought she was pregnant and then she goes into the bathroom and apparently she gets her period and then she's all like, yay, I'm not pregnant, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't understand why she was so excited to go pee. Um, anyways, so, oh my God, the baby is still an infant at this point. And the Midnight Mississippi Jesus Creepers come back into play. And boy, do they. They take the baby uh, when Rizzo's watching her. And uh, she's missing for a few hours. And they're all freaking out. They just don't know what happened to baby Americus. And lo and behold, they placed her as like the baby Jesus in a nativity set. Like a bunch of fucking psychos. And that's all. That's it. That's all we ever hear about them. And, uh, you know, that was probably at 5 p.m. of the fifth day of the 50th month of the 5,000th year, um, you know, because signs, signs are everywhere. Um, anyways, then we get um, a tornado. Yes. I said that. I said a tornado. There is a tornado of Twister-style proportions, and we get this, like, Helen Hunt, like, fucking vibes that Natalie Portman is, like, coming through. She's like holding on to like the stairs and the the cellar door like flips open and her body's like dangling out of the out of the out of the I don't know what they call them because I live in California and I don't have any tornado shelters she's like about to leave this tornado shelter because the tornado's sucking her up into the air and then America's is just like I got you mom and she's like five now oh my god oh my god oh my god I just said five now I'm creeped out um so this creepy five-year-old is just like mom I'll come save you and it's just like weird then all of a sudden like the thing shuts and she's safe and I don't know if they were, like, alluding to, like, this child having, like, some, like, Danny shining powers or what. I don't know. I'm confused. And my head hurts from this already. So, back at it. So, get the tornado. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, sister husband dies. It's so sad. We lose Rizzo. And that's a big bummer. But what happens is, is Stalker Channing's, she leaves her... Um, insurance money for like the house or whatever the hell that the trailer that they had on their property and Natalie Portman is able to build like this big you know kind of like dream home midwestern thing and now she's got a porch she could drink her chocolate milk on it and everything's just going swell going fine and uh you know going real good her best friend meets a new man and things are going good until they don't 
fucking go good. You guys, I couldn't even, I couldn't watch that part in the movie this time. I don't know why I was able to watch it when I was younger, but I, I, I just couldn't. It made me, it, it just hurts. It just hurts. And so Ashley Judd's character, she starts dating this man and she's all happy because she thinks that he is, uh, had a vasectomy that he's shooting blanks or some shit like that and she's like oh I won't be able to get I have to worry about getting pregnant because she's got a bunch of kids well lo and behold you find out trigger warning that the dude had been abusing the kids and she finds out there's a big altercation and Nova Lee finds her and the kids in the house after this altercation and she's all beat up and it is just a fucking tragic it's it's honestly the low point in the movie and when I say low point I just mean like it's when your heart and and soul just it's just sad this is real sad so but it's okay because eventually she meets this really great guy who's one of the baseball coaches for her uh kids team baseball team and they get married and she wears this really pretty yellow dress at the end of the movie and she has little daisies in her hair so it's okay things things get better things get a lot better so we build the big house uh novally she starts taking photos she wins like an award and uh we find out that the deadbeat oh yeah deadbeat douche his song finally like uh his damn prison song, man. He takes it to Joan Cusack, who, who whose name is Ruth Myers, and she's a uh, music manager. He brings it to her, and he's like, "Listen to the world, like he's oh my god, it's so awful." But she kind of perks up, and she's like, "Wow, that song sounds really good. Can you sing some more of it?" And he's like, "That's where the heart is." I don't even know. I'm saying the melody wrong. It's it's starting to get late, so she's interested her her you know like I said her ears prickle up and she's like all right let's get you a makeover fucking we're gonna change your name put a roll of fucking quarters in your pocket and call you cowboy so he goes through this whole like Billy Ray Cyrus like makeover he's looking good he's got this fucking hit single on the radio and before sister husband dies Maricus and her they're making like dough in the in the in the kitchen and she they're like singing the song and Novali's like oh can you turn it I just don't like the song it just rubs me the wrong way and mm-hmm. talk about talk about conspiracies and weaving things into this into the storyline whoever did this is some serious talent um anyways so I mean yeah she like sort of has this weird flirty relationship with Forney, the library delivery, uh, baby delivery man. And he watches her kid a lot. They're just like very platonic. And she's totally like friend zoning him for like years and years and years. Okay. Just like, just, just in the fucking friend zone. The guy's never going to get out. I just don't think the poor guy is ever going to get out of it. So long story short, you know, well, anyways, he has a 
so for some fucking reason, he goes, like, back to college, and she's, like, super insecure about it, and then she, like, sleeps with him, but then she tells him, like, in true, like, romantic comedy fashion, she, like, lies, and she's like, oh my god, I don't really love you, I don't love you, I never loved you, like, blah, 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 so, like, he goes away to, like, start a new life, and she stays behind, and then Ashley Judd is like, what are you doing, girl, you love him, like, get after, like, go fucking treat yourself, go get your, like, college dude, like, who cares? that you're just a little midwestern little sweetheart angel like who cares like we like you know don't fucking choose your don't make it's getting late you guys don't base your value off what you think somebody else thinks it is you know she's trying to be wise she's trying to be that wise friend for her so um, she runs back to the college and she's just like, I lied for me. Like I told you that I didn't love you, but I lied. And then they kiss and it's great. But, um, one other thing happened before that, uh, when everything was like all like good and dandy for douchebeat, deadbeat, like dad, boyfriend, like abandoner, um, it turns out that his cellmate at prison decided to claim that he wrote the song and so people believed that and he lost everything. So as soon as Deadbeat Dad had like this really cool like bitching career, it got taken away. And uh, it's kind of like karma, I guess. But what's really sad is like he goes to the train tracks and like his legs get cut off. Like he has an at like I don't I can't remember if he's like did it on purpose or not. I get it. It's getting so wait. Um, Yeah something happens and he loses his damn legs and he writes to Novali at some point just saying like hey I'd like to see you or whatever and she's just like stay away from my daughter and he's like what am I gonna go do grow some new legs and go run after her oh my god you guys it's just like that part is so tragic it's just like it's really sad so anyways um yeah, she gets this big house. She's got all her chocolate milk. She's taking her pictures. She's got her daughter. She's got, you know, her college dude, college scholar, a gentleman and a scholar. Her baby, de- I mean, he delivered her baby, for God's sakes. She fell in love with a guy that delivered her baby. How cute is that? Um, You know, I don't have much to say in terms of, like, is it a good movie? Is it a bad movie? No, here movies are just movies and uh if it's a cult classic people fucking love them for some reason and that's what we're here for you know we're here we're here for for a good time we're not here to critique movies we're not here to specifically review them uh necessarily recap them just sort of highlight the uh kind of kooky fun things that that make the movie the movie so Thank you for sitting with me through this like 50,000 minute ordeal. Oh my gosh, I brought up the number five again, you guys. Okay, on that note, kittens, it is time to go. This was your cult classic movie of the week, Where the Heart Is. Stay tuned to see what's in store for next week. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is your Pussycat of the Week. Our Pussycat of the Week is Miss Joan Q.
Cusack. Time to talk Joan Cusack, you guys. All right, let's get into it. Joan Cusack was born in 1962 in New York City. She was born on October 11th, and she is a Libra. And I know a thing or two about Libras. My dad, my sister, my cousin's a Libra. My There's just a lot, a lot of Libras. Um, she is. Well, you know what? Let's go into her mother and her father. Her father is a mathematician, and her mother is an actor. Look at that combination. She grew up in Chicago and she graduated from the University of Wisconsin at Madison. Ooh, so smart. So anyways, she also ended up um, at some point moving back to Chicago. Was born in New York, grew up in Chicago, and then uh, relocated there in the 90s. Took a little filming break to raise her own family. And so um, I think you could feel a little bit of that Chicago vibe from her. Obviously, she loves the damn place she lives there. She, she went back. So um, in case you didn't know, she has a fellow thespian brother, John Kuzak, which I just had to take a moment to pause. Just let's think about John Kuzak for a minute. Okay, this is about Joan, not John. Joan, not John. Joan, not John. Anyways, John Cusack, he's hot. Love him. Anyways, back to Joan, okay? Back to our little cowgirl, Jessie. So her career got kicked off in the uh, mid-80s. She starred in her first movie called My Bodyguard and moved on to 16 Candles where she has this kind of infamous scene where she has a bunch of uh, dental, uh, what is it, braces, headgear, and she's trying to use the water fountain, and she's just like, I just, like a little water and she's trying to drink out of it and it's it's a moment in a movie that it, it can't be forgotten so uh even if you don't see 16 candles you don't want to go back you don't want to watch the whole molly ringwald uh you know world thing that is those john hugh movies just watch that one scene look it up on youtube and uh you know you'll be happy for it then she went on to be in Working Girl, where she was nominated for an Oscar because, of course, she fucking was. Okay. Anyways, um, like I said, she went back to Chicago at some point to raise her kids, chill out for a little bit, got married, and came back in the 90s in the movie In and Out, starring Kevin Kline, and got her second Oscar nomination. She played a uh, jilted left at the altar bride because her um significant other uh came out as a gay man eventually so anyways back at it again she is in jesse uh in jesse oh my is she in jesse oh lord you guys anyways she is uh she goes ahead and stars in toy story 2 as jesse the cowgirl she is her and she is in her metaphorically um and she's also in a lesser known Disney movie that's, I don't know, I can't handle it. My kids always want to watch it. And I remember seeing it in the movie theater when it came out for some random reason. Uh, was Chicken Little. Uh, she played, what was it, Abby Mallard? This little like, oh, creepy looking damn duck. But she's fabulous. And no matter whether she's voicing the most adorable cowgirl of all time or creepy little duck, it works. It all works. And uh, she also ended up winning an Emmy for the show Shameless that my sister and my father have been trying to get me to watch for years. And I promise I will do it. 
but just not yet. Not there yet. So anyways, that's a little blurb on um, our Pussycat of the Week. It's a little, a little mini bio. It's a little heavy on the movie aspect of it versus um, her personal life. But she is a woman that just doesn't seem to have any kind of scandals or a whole big world built around her other than that fact that she is a beloved actress that people relate to her on a level of uh, great proportions. Her, I think her awkwardness and her quirkiness, um, it just warms people's hearts because it's a genuine thing. She's not a dope. She is smart. And uh, I think one of my favorite characters of her is uh, from Runaway Bride when she plays uh, the best friend to Julia Roberts character, Maggie. And um, Maggie is this natural, you know, flirt, has this animal magnetism about her that men just kind of just gravitate to. And there's a there's a point in the movie where she does that with Joan Cusack's husband a little bit, and it's harmless, and it's not anything that she would even think twice about. But Joan Cusack has this beautiful, like, conversation with her where she kind of explains, you know, quirkiness and awkwardness and how you know one can't one way can't be one way can't be the either and it's a great scene and if if you're going to be in a youtube joan kuzak wormhole i implore you to check out that one as well so um yeah that's my my favorite my favorite scene of hers uh she also had a really killer uh Stevie Nicks moment in School of Rock with Jack Black. That was a great fucking movie. She plays a principal and she's kind of like real button up, doesn't let your hair down, sort of like she could be Professor McGonagall's like long, like ancestor, ancestor way off into the future. Um, she is obsessed with Stevie Nicks Edge of 17 and there's a great scene of her and Jack Black in the van and uh, that's another one that you should check out. So anyways, that's our girl Joan Kuzak and um, each week we'll be doing um, different ladies, different dudes. Um, again, they have to just be kind of like fun, a little bit different, you know, not your typical mainstream you know, I love Julia Roberts, but I don't know if Julia Roberts is going to be a pussycat of the week. You know, that's, that's, that's just how the cookie crumbles, but that could change. I love Julia Roberts. Oh, now I take that back. She could definitely be a pussycat of the week. Anybody can. We're all welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome. Okay, now I sound like the lady from Poltergeist. And speaking of Poltergeist, each week I'm going to be doing a freaky Hollywood, Holly weird case. Um, going from like, I don't know, paranormal stuff, haunting stuff to, oh, you know, maybe murders or just kind of just like conspiracy heavy Hollywood style shows. And uh, the first one we're going to do is Poltergeist. And I'm super duper excited about that. We're going to be going into all the the weird, crazy shit that happened while uh, they filmed the three, the three movies of Poltergeist. So if you all stay along for the journey, we will have more curious topics of the week, more cult movies of the week, uh, TV shows coming up. I will be posting um, 
random reviews or why I'm curious about this new show or this new thing. Um, those will be popping up. Uh, those are going to be called Why So Curious. And there is a Watchmen one up already if you guys want to check that out. My name is Sarah. I'll be your host every week. Thank you for coming to Curiosity Killed a Cat. And I can't wait to see where this podcast goes. Thank you guys. I'll be seeing you next week. Bye. Bye.